This is a team that, as good as Mississippi State is, I feel like their strength and what they want to do is something that plays in exactly to what Georgia's strength is, and I think that puts Georgia in a pretty good spot. It is the Dogs vs. the Dogs on Saturday night in Athens, Georgia, live on ESPN at 7 p.m. The 17th-ranked and undefeated Mississippi State Bulldogs bring their number one SEC scoring offense into Sanford Stadium to face off against our 11th-ranked and equally undefeated Georgia Bulldogs. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 100 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Yes, we have done it. We've hit the century mark on this podcast, and I think I can speak for my two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, in saying that we had no idea our show would be going on this long when we were sitting at Grindhouse Burgers and Five Points back in the summer of 2015. All I can say is that it is a true labor of love, this whole podcasting outlet we have. It's also definitely our love for the dogs. Tony and I are alumni of UGA, but we have bestowed an honorary UGA alumni status on Will after all of his contributions to our show throughout the years. And of course, we could not and would not be here at this point without you tuning us in each and every episode. So thank you. Thank you very much for all of your tweets, your podcast reviews, your comments, and your downloads. And we are still in transition. I know that seems to be a common theme here. It feels like 30% of our shows throughout the past few years have been in transition, but Thanks for hanging with us. We would have liked to have all been together for this Mississippi State-Georgia preview, but Will is still out in L.A. Tony was at his home over in Watkinsville, and I had to call in from a landline because my Skype has been down for quite some time throughout my move. Nevertheless, it is a fun and entertaining preview full of game predictions of national and SEC games going on this weekend, trivia, and even a breakdown. Well, of course it would be a breakdown of the game Dogs vs. Dogs. But let's not wait any longer. Episode 100 starts right now. Hello, gentlemen. Uh, I am in Los Angeles. I'm looking over at the 101 Hollywood Freeway as we speak from my Airbnb. I was at the first ever Los Angeles Chargers game on Sunday. I went out here to cover that and do some other stuff and see some friends. And I will say that uh, the atmosphere at every Los Angeles sporting event I've ever been to, save for one Lakers game where Kobe scored 50 points, uh, is about as as loud as a Georgia-South Carolina game at Stegman. (laughs) So I'm glad to be back talking about Georgia football. How's the week going, gentlemen? How's it, how's it going back? Everybody happy? No more hurricanes hit while I was gone, right? Yes. What? <laughs> no hurricanes hit. I'm just saying everything's okay. Is in Georgia all right? I've been gone for three is this, days. Is this some sort of haha? I'm in Los Angeles. The weather's perfect joke because no, it didn't land. No, I'm just land. making sure I want to come home and I'm making make sure everything is fine when I get back for crying out loud. Um, anyway, how's it going? I apologize to everyone, by the way. All of us, I guess, apologize for uh, I was out here. We were unable. I thought Tony did an excellent job doing the post game solo. I think it was our first solo podcast. Now that you've done a solo one, Tony, do you just kind of want to not do that do this anymore? No, it is weird talking by myself. I don't see how people like Barrett, Sally, and others do this every week and two times a week. I thought it was very entertaining, and um, uh, you know, it, it was an easy edit for me. Well, considering I started, uh, I started drinking bourbon a little before eight anticipation of doing something around eight and 
than thinking it was a 10. I, it sounded okay. Yeah. <laughs> you sounded better than I did after the Notre Dame game, the game that we did the, in the, at the tailgate spot, which I still, <laughs> I still feel like that was just me and my brain. Um, everything was, it was, I was answering questions from five minutes ago, I think, uh, during that podcast. But uh, anyway, so we're all here. Uh, this uh, I'm, I'm another trip next week. So while I'm missing the truly fun part of this podcast, which is getting together with you two fine gentlemen and uh, drinking bourbon. And those guys, uh, can you drink bourbon again? Are you drinking bourbon again or are you still not doing it? I can drink bourbon. I just uh, I can't find it in whatever box I put it in. Because you're in. Is that a bad yeah. is that a bad a bad packing move on my part? It does feel weird that it wasn't the first thing you unpacked. I will confess. Uh, but you're <laughs> in. You're in. Right. You're in your new place. The studio is going to be ready very soon. Correct. Yeah, it's a little echoey now. I need to put some carpets or things on the wall. But uh, that's one thing I'm worried about. If I if I pride myself as a podcaster and a producer and someone who makes videos and everything. I need good acoustics. And right now, um, I, that's why I was hoping that I sound okay on the phone because it's, uh, it's pretty bare in here. Well, I'm excited to see your place. Are you happy with it now that you're in? Do you, do you have buyer's remorse? Do you think you made a mistake? Or do you want to go uh, move out to Los Angeles where it's sunny all the time? No, not, not buyer's remorse. I love the location. Um, the mortgage payment is, uh, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> that, that's a little remorseful. And, uh, you know, some of the other factors into it but yeah it'll we'll, we'll we'll all get through it we'll all get through it you know with our with our new sponsorship deal with uh, under armor and nike that's going to help well that wouldn't happen because those are comp- competing entities but you <laughs> that's know how much, that's how much they want to be associated with this podcast exactly they, uh, they oh both. by the way yes it's our hundredth episode all right yay i was wondering why all these balloons were falling from the ceiling here at the airbnb that's amazing <laughs> I, it was this a nice touch. episode 100 you have to leave that in the review, Will. <laughs> so, so yeah, congratulations. We did 100 shows. We don't. I assumed uh, Georgia would have at least one national championship by our 100th show. But regardless, nevertheless, uh, we're well on our way. Uh, certainly, I'm curious, before we get into the Mississippi State stuff, do we want to have any moments of reflection, not just about so much about the podcast, but just the notion of think about how much Georgia football has changed when we did our first yes. show. Uh, we, you know, we were watching, I believe we were watching a instantly tournament game, or was it a, was it, I forget what we were doing, but the three of us were all watching a game, and when we decided to start doing this podcast, and because we were all just sitting and talking about Georgia, uh, Georgia football and getting excited about about it. I'm curious. Think about how much Georgia football has changed since that 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 last ep- that first episode. It feels like we're talking about an entirely different sport, <laughs> an entirely different everything. Now, a- any thoughts on how much Georgia football changed? How much you personally changed in our hundred episodes? Well, I mean, Scott Scott weighs ten pounds less, and um, <clears throat> yeah, that's right. We are thinking. Scott remind me to tell me if I'm wrong. I think we were watching a uh, women's World Cup match. We, that's that right. was correct. Um, it was over at Grindhouse. That's right. At Grand House. And uh, I think Scott and I were talking generally, he was talking about some of his social media stuff and his uh, new ventures and podcasting. Like, a podcast would be cool. And you kind of offhand Will over your shoulder said, I'd do a podcast. (laughs) And I'd look at Scott and was like, oh, we're doing this, right? He's like, yes, absolutely. (laughs) And Scott, I feel like your podcast, unless, except for when you don't hit save, I feel like your producing skills have gotten, uh, you've got this down to a T by now. Except for what I'm in. I think so. Yeah. yeah. No, it's gotten easier. In fact, I'll give myself a plug. I am speaking tomorrow, Wednesday. Hopefully I can get this up in the morning. Um, but I'm speaking on Wednesday, September 20th, over at Creature Comforts at 3 o'clock for the Athens Made Social Lab. I'm going to be talking about digital media, new media, and I'm going to basically compare and contrast 
the podcasting and videos such as on that you find on YouTube. So uh, it should be a fun talk, I guess, or I've prepared, I've actually got notes and uh, slide decks and stuff. So hopefully it'll be entertaining, but uh, yeah, if you're hearing this and are in the Athens area around three o'clock and want to go over to creature comforts and get some beer and then the Athens farmer's market will be right afterwards. And you want to hear me, Come on over. That sounds fun. I, I, I won't be there, but that sounds like something I would have liked to uh, to see. And plus, isn't one of the Chapel Bell Curve guys associated with uh, with, with Creature Comforts? Because I, I kind of feel like uh, uh, without that war, like we get some muskets or a trident or something, and maybe start the war that I've been wanting to start with those guys. Yeah, Justin Bray. Justin Bray works for Creature Comforts. I actually spoke to him yesterday on the phone. I uh, I tweeted at him saying like, "Hey man, what's your phone number?" And uh, I called him because I wanted to make sure, because he's running the, the audiovisual equipment. I wanted to make sure he didn't sabotage me. Yeah. Yeah. I like, the, <laughs> I, I like the other the other day, someone asked uh, us, uh, the, this podcast, a question, and he responded. <laughs> I, I was like, wait a second. I, uh, there's room for both of us, but not if you're sliding into our DMs. I think that's the fair rule. <laughs> Um, anyway, okay, we have a game to talk about. First off, uh, any, uh, I think the news of the day is mostly Jacob Eason related. He practiced. It looks like he's not going to play. I don't think it was really expecting him to play. In fact, uh, uh, Coach Smart was even kind of discussing how he wasn't. He he didn't want to pin down whether he would surely get his job back when he uh, when when he was healthy. That seems just like smart answering of a question that doesn't really look really great for from if you say, "Oh yeah, we're getting rid of this dope as soon as uh, as soon as our regular guy comes back." Uh, but certainly, Eason's still mending mending. But uh, we're going to go into this game with from uh, pretty clearly. I think getting Malcolm Parrish back and who's likely to start's even bigger. Uh, when you sit back and look at what Mississippi State did against uh, LSU, um, you know they everything starts and ends with Nick Fitzgerald and uh, having a our defense has played serviceably, but you know uh, Samford showed that the way to move the ball against Georgia is to throw the ball and having Parish back, even a rusty Parish, is uh, is a good thing. I was pretty astounded when I was, you know, I didn't, I mean, like a lot of people, I'd, I'd heard Nick Fitzgerald's name last year and just thought he was kind of a 10 Tebow light. But after seeing his stats so far this year in three games, and yeah, the only real team they've played is LSU, but they beat them 37 to seven. And he had four, he accounted for four touchdowns and ran two and threw for two. So, I mean, that's a balanced offense if I've ever seen one. In fact, I actually did some research this week. Mississippi State is first in SEC scoring offense at 47.7 points a game, and they are first in scoring defense at 9.3. Now, granted, they played South Alabama and Louisiana Tech and then LSU, but still, that's quite impressive because the dogs scoring defense, which we think is really good, and it is, is at 14.3. Nick Fitzgerald's actually from Southeast Georgia. He's from Richmond Hill. And I'd forgotten that until my dad reminded me because he plays in the, the same region down there that uh, my high school plays. And he's like, yeah, he just came in here and, and kind of torched us up and down the field a couple of times. Uh, only against a couple of you know, really good my Pierce County high school team. And he only had one other offer other than Mississippi State, and that was UT Chattanooga. Uh, he's kind of been a diamond in the rough find for, for Dan Mullen. But he offers a lot of what Dan Mullen likes to see in in quarterbacks. He he can run the ball. He's not afraid to run the ball. He's also tall, um, and is uh, he's pretty pretty heady when he's asked to make decisions. Um, 
So I, I think we think, I think we have our, our, our work cut out for us Saturday. Yeah, I think he's pretty clearly, uh, particularly with kind of uh, Jared Sims' struggles, the best quarterback that Georgia's going to face this year. Uh, mm-hmm. bar, barring, of course, until they play in the national championship game. But on the current current schedule, it's the it's the toughest though when they're going to face this year. And it's funny, you know, because um, you're right. Chip Towers wrote this week about how. Uh, they really tried to get him on George's radar. Uh, Mike Bo, they tried to get Mike Boba to, to, to look at look at Fitzgerald. I I will say that that it's not surprising that Georgia didn't, he'd only played one year. It would have been a very unusual thing for them to go after him. If anything, Mississippi State almost kind of reached getting him, but he's worked out so he's worked out perfect for them. It is kind of amazing when you look at Mullen, like he's had like his last two quarterbacks are Dak Prescott and this guy, and he really is. Uh, pretty scary in that way, but you know it's not just him. I mean, it's on on one hand he is uh, excellent and looked fantastic against LSU. And LSU, to be fair, still has their own uh, quarterback problems. I can't believe Danny Etling is still around. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing that Danny Etling is still a quarterback for our team. Uh, but LSU certainly has its offensive problems. Mississippi State looks great on defense too. I mean, that was a full on wipeout of a team that I think maybe is not as good as I think everyone uh, uh, might have thought. I think Orgeron's going to have some issues. I think Orgeron was clearly kind of outcoached in that game. But I think that's another kind of interesting thing about this is, you know, this is a test for Georgia's defense uh, and and, uh, probably the (coughs) toughest one they've had yet. It is a test certainly for from uh, playing against, I think, a, a, a tough defense as well and also having to keep up the scoring. But frankly, this is a this is a test for for the coaching staff. Uh, Mullen is a smart dude. Go, hey, did you guys, did you guys see? I just realized this. Do you know who the defensive coordinator is for Mississippi State? Have you seen this? Um, he likes white towels and doing throat slash gestures. Um, <laughs> yeah, what's, that guy, what's his that name? Guy, that guy. That guy. Uh, yes, yes. Todd. That's who it is. That's his name. Todd. And, and so yeah. So that. So to me, like you know, this is a good coaching staff, a motivated team. It's weird to think when we looked at the schedule that well, this is the down year. They play home against Mississippi State because we're all kind of like reflexively, oh, Mississippi State is the is the low team in the SEC West. Now people are talking about thinking they might be the second best team over there. This game that looked like a game where Georgia would be favored somewhat comfortably now favored a little bit less comfortably has turned out to look as really as tough as anything Georgia has left in schedule, uh, say for maybe at Auburn. I wasn't quite sure what to do with Mississippi state in the preseason and kept thinking they could be really good. They could be middle of the road. Um, but you know, when you sit back and look, you would compare and contrast Orgeron and, and let, let's put Orgeron in a different box. LSU looks a lot Looks right now a lot like Georgia did last year with a new coach, right? Um, I think players are still trying to buy in. They still have a Purdue transfer as their quarterback. Um, but, you know, I also suggested on Twitter that maybe you keep the interim tag on Orgeron because he coaches better hmm. under an interim tag. Um, <laughs> he he didn't quite rise to the level of uh, Bush Jones coaching malpractice. Uh, but there were some coaching decisions that were a little um, less understandable in that game. And they had two targeting penalties. The second one was uh, dicey, I guess, at the best. The first one was a targeting penalty. And those are the sorts of penalties you can't take. It was clear the targeting penalties were directly a result of they their plan was to get to Nick Fitzgerald. Their plan was to rattle him, uh, to hit him every chance they got, and to, to kind of make him skittish. Um, and, you know, frankly – LSU deserved to lose when you when you look at the stats. I mean, they just were never in that game. Um, after two punts, Mississippi State scored on like six straight drives. 
Um, it was it was a thorough dismantling. But you know, I, the question I have now is, okay, just how? I mean, they have the talent, but just how good is LSU? But I can't disagree with you about the coaching thing. I mean, we've talked about each game this season. Okay, we want to see Georgia come out here and take care of business against a pretty good App State team. Check. We want to see them go on the road and handle business, play well against a team that we think is pretty good, and I still think they probably are, against Notre Dame. Check. We want to see them take care of a cupcake at home. Check. The next step of that is how you're going to handle business in a big national game, SEC game, against uh, a coach that's been doing this quite a while and has shown that he can coach the team up. And that's the next step. I mean, I think you're right about the coaching thing. I think it's a I think it's it's another it's another test in Kirby's uh, progression as a head football coach. You know, and it seems like Mississippi State always does this. They'll they'll have a great team like they did a couple two or three years ago where they were actually ranked number one, and that still boggles the mind. They were ranked number one for a week, and then they have a couple down seasons. It's almost like the size they are and the kind of where they are in the pecking order. They just have to take a couple of years to retool, and they get some three stars. They get some transfers. They've got Jonathan Abram from Georgia, a former defensive back who's playing very well right now. You know, who knows? It's kind of the crossroads for them too. Are they? Is this going to be another one of their peak years where they win eight, nine, maybe ten games, or is this the beginning of a slide because you know they're going to have to face the big boys from the West, and that doesn't include LSU, obviously. Um, but you know the uh, the Alabamas of the world. Actually, are there any other big teams in the West? Um, yeah, Auburn looks dicey right now. Um, <laughs> so maybe, although, maybe I misspoke. Well, well, <laughs> well let's let's uh, let's be let's let's kind of be clear though. Auburn thoroughly dominated Mercer. The score didn't show that, but they outgained him 400 yards. Um, that happens when you you eventually turn over two touchdown passes uh, that were complete passes to your receiver. They they drop the ball. Um, now if they have that luck all season. Yeah, Auburn's going to look that way, but. So far, they've lost a, a seven-point game to a team that looks legitimately after the game against Louisville and Clemson. Um, looks legitimately like a national title contender. Um, it's certainly the class of the ACC. Um, it's, I think it's too early to write Auburn off. Um, but again, I think you're right. It's right now. It could it could well be Alabama, Mississippi State, or the, the that's right class of the West. Um, and remains to be seen about Auburn. But it still could be still could defeat the, those two teams. Yeah, and it's also worth noting that the East looks a little worse every week, <laughs> I have to say. Uh, it, it looks more and more open for Georgia each week. And for me, the big thing with this game is, we'll, like I listen, the defense has been clearly the thing that has leapt out for Georgia uh, so far this season. Uh, I think we've seen them. Uh, take that big step forward that we were looking for. This is obviously the biggest challenge, but to me, I'm probably most fascinated with even no matter how well you play against Fitzgerald, he's going to hit you once or twice. I think that he's too talented of a player. Uh, this is not a game where you can win 17 to 14. I don't, I don't think so. I think if you give, you keep your, uh, Mississippi state down to 20 points, I think you've got to consider that. Uh, success. So that brings up, that leads to the question: wh- What is Georgia's offense right now? You know, we, we I, I know that that deep down we want. Uh, I know the coaching staff certainly wants to be run oriented. They want to be. They want to be Alabama. They want to. They want to run it at you. They want to. They want to uh, just ram, ram it down your throat. I think uh, uh, Cheney's even said that before that he that he wants to be that kind of team. 
But that's not how they're playing so far. They're running. They're, they're running so much shotgun. Uh, they're trying to give. Uh, they're trying to give from a, a ton of time. This is a team that has Nick Chubb, and as good as he is, and as, as great as he looked against Sanford, of course he's going to look good against Sanford. This is still a team that doesn't look. They're not built around Nick Chubb, and they're not even really crazily built about around uh, that running game. In fact, if anything, I think the emergence of Godwin uh, has shown that. They're just a little bit different offensive team than we thought, particularly with as much as Nauda hasn't really done anything and how they haven't really got the tight ends going like they thought. To me, that what I'm most fascinated about the game, and this is a game, I think as we talked about, of all the quarterbacks they're going to face this year, I think this might be the best one. This is a game, as good as your defense is, you're going to have to score some points. And I think Georgia clearly has the talent to do that. But I'm still, I still feel like four weeks in, and again, this will happen when you're playing your backup quarterback, this is a team that's still kind of searching for its offensive identity, and that could be an issue against a team that can score a lot of points. Well, the thing that concerns me most about it is, I, look, I, I sit back and look at this. I feel like this is going to look like the Notre Dame game. When you look at Notre Dame, um, they actually scored more times than Georgia. They just kicked they, – it was all field goals. Field goal Jesus. Um, right, field goal Jesus. Uh, so are, should you – should we expect Mississippi State to be in a situation where they're only going to be kicking field goals or scoring touchdowns? I, I and I think you hit on something key there. Um, they are, in my mind, they're likely to really crush a line, drop you know four guys into coverage, and dare from to beat him. And that's going to be really interesting to see, considering how few how few times we've thrown to tight ends, uh, and that's where you start getting back into those middle middle passes like. Like, you know, God was on touchdown, for example, that was a middle pass. It was just a great blocking downfield. Uh, he also had some great moves. Um, so you do that. You basically have to say, OK, well, then maybe we'll drop those linebackers back. If not, we'll just eat them up all day. Um, but I don't I don't necessarily just I don't necessarily agree with you that this this can't be a, you know, somewhere in the 20s and teens. Um, I, 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 I worry that if it is, we lose. But um I think the the interesting thing to me is okay, when you what is it Cheney's been building towards, um, and when we saw some run plays, but I still think we're running the ball on a shotgun pretty well. Um, we're also putting Fromm in a position where he gets to make easy reads, um, and that's I, I think you'll continue to see that, especially if they if they crowd the line, you're going to be looking for places where you can mismatch a tight end or sneak a, a running back out of the backfield in order just to do a quick dumb ball pass and. You do that, I think you soften up the Mississippi State defense pretty quickly. The problem I have is, man, Jeffrey Simmons looks like a monster on, mm-hmm. on the defensive line for them. I mean, we're, this is the this is the test. I mean, they did fine against Notre Dame, uh, particularly uh, particularly pass blocking. But I, I I thought going into the season, Notre Dame would be the second best defensive line we'll face. After watching what they did to Louisiana uh, uh, Louisiana State last week. Um, I might be willing to say Mississippi State's the the best or second best. Yeah, and offensively speaking, you know, we've talked about Fitzgerald, but they've got a little Isaiah McKenzie type, uh, Keith Mixon, who really exploded last week for a touchdown and I think close to or a little bit over right under a hundred yards receiving. And then if you remember last year, we were so worried about Auburn in that matchup. And, you know, granted their quarterback couldn't really throw because of his shoulder, but also uh, Petway was out and he was out, you know, just grinding back. And they've got one of those two and uh, Aris Williams. 
he ran for uh, I think about a buck fifty against LSU, and that's kind of what their offense is going through. Those three uh, key targets right now, and if they get rolling, that's what worries me because we haven't really seen that grinding uh, running back this year, and we actually kind of dodged them last year. And um, you know, not to say our defensive front isn't stout, and of course, you know, linebackers like Roquan Smith and and Walker back there, I, they can cover plenty of ground. But uh, you know, just that run pass option with Nick Fitzgerald, I mean, I have a feeling we're going to see one of those Tebow esque lean into the lines and then jump through it. I don't know. I mean, if they're on the eight yard line, you know, get prepared for that. Oh, if he does that, Roquan Smith's going to eat his lunch. Yeah, I, I'm, I encourage him to do that. <laughs> I encourage him to do that because I think that's exactly the type of – I think if that's the type of thing that they're doing – and I think that's the advantage that Georgia has in this game. A lot of that option stuff that a guy like him – who, again, you know, I mean he's a runner first. I don't think there's any question, but he can throw. I, I, I think that you'd like to force him in a position to make throws. But if you make him make a decision that late – as he would in that spot up the middle. I think you're going right into Georgia's straight. Hey, we did run one thing last week that gave me, gave me pause. We ran a bubble screen very successfully. And I, through a lot of, uh, a lot of work, thanks to Dr. Goldstein and, and some therapy, I've been able to talk <laughs> through Todd Grantham coaching teams against the bubble screen. So maybe it's time to pull that play out some. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's funny too, because I think that is the question. Like, okay, here's a, here's a couple of questions, just a macro question really about this team. Again, you know, we looked at the schedule this year and we thought going in, Auburn was the best team uh, probably that you were going to face. And then maybe Notre Dame and, you know, maybe Florida. Uh, and I don't think we, we probably, Mississippi State would have been better, uh, maybe lucky to go on that, uh, the top half of that. It's pop, everyone's very excited about Mississippi State. It's amazing. There's only two games between two ranked teams this week, and this is one of them. Uh, so I'm sure that was something that was fun for you to put together when you put together the pool, which we'll get to in a bit, Tony. <laughs> but um, I think that this, right now, what Mississippi State did to LSU obviously woke up every, opened everybody's eyes. I think in a lot of ways it could be very good for Georgia because, you know, I think that obviously – you want them to be uh, to always be up for any SEC game, particularly the first SEC game. But one thing that's definitely not going to happen is they're they're not going to Georgia's not going to be taken by surprise in this game. You have uh, this this game suddenly got really scary in a way that I don't think everyone was quite uh, prepared for it to be. I mean, it's the SEC; it's always going to be tough uh, unless you're hosting Purdue. Um, but. <laughs> But generally speaking, you're all, you're always going to be uh, uh, every team's going to have something. But this game got a lot tougher. But I think that ultimately this could be a good thing. You know, I liked what Coach Smart said after uh, the Sanford game. He just kind of like a little like someone asked him heading into the SEC season, "How do you feel?" And he seemed confident. And I think that you have seen a confidence in the coaching staff in the players confidence and probably more important, uh, a certainty, uh, a self-assurance that um, I think it maybe felt a little bit like posturing at times last year. And I think you saw it in the results. Uh, I don't, I think that they feel good going into this game as fun as Mississippi state is and as good as they looked against LSU. I still think Georgia. I think it's hard to argue that Georgia still isn't isn't the more talented team, even with Fromm uh, at the quarterback position. Which means, that, as we talked about, this is a test for the coaching staff, and they feel comfortable and confident that they're going to pass it. Let's parse the fact that Barry Odom has broke Missouri to the point where you're, th- you're throwing shade. Um, I'm throwing. I'm, I'm showing. I'm, I'm throwing pro Purdue shade 
Like this is right. a dark time for those right. guys. It's so weird. <laughs> but uh, no, I think that's right. I, you, you, you the, I think the point that, that I, I latch onto that every time is that Mississippi State beating LSU this way is probably the best thing can happen uh, for Georgia because you end up with uh, you end up with Mississippi State having this kind of um, this kind of marquee win early in the season, and then they get to go on the road. Um, and there were some comments. Uh, Dan Mullen was sounded pretty confident, and even Jonathan Abram made a comment about beating the brakes off of Georgia. Uh, some bulletin board material type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, this comes back to another Kirby Smart coaching test to me. You should bubble exploit the talent gaps. Whether you do or not, it's a different thing. I, certain Mississippi State's not talented as Notre Dame. They certainly are more talented than App State or Samford. But I think across the board, you have more talent in Frankly, you probably have uh, more ability to exploit the weaknesses of Mississippi State than Mississippi State does of Georgia, uh, particularly considering both their both our weaknesses and our, their weaknesses are the same, right? Their offensive line uh, it showed promise last week, but had been a big question mark. Um, our defensive line, their defensive line are both very good. Um, I think we have the you know, I, I think we have the advantage when you talk about the the stable of running backs we have. Um, they have a wide receiver that's probably better than all of our wide receivers, say Godwin. But you know, I think our tight ends are better. I think we we block downfield better. So you put Mississippi State in a situation, basically you put Nick Fisher in a situation where he's got to do something off that that PRO that he uh, he he gets confused. That's how you beat them. Um, and that's what you're going to have to do this game. And if we've coached up, if, if Kirby and his his crew have coached up the players to be in a position to do that, that's going to make me feel really good. And starting to want to throw away everything I, I was worried about going into this season about, is Kirby the guy that's going to lead Georgia to whatever heights it was that he thought about when he took the shot? Well, I think defensively speaking, again, I mean, think of how well they've played they've only forced just a few turnovers. And so you could say that they're due for that. And then to piggyback on the special teams, special teams have been lights out. And we did have a block uh, field goal last week by J.R. Reed. But I'd say special teams is due for some kind of long return. I mean, yeah, Holyfield had one in Notre Dame game, but then we had a silly block in the back. But, you know, maybe, you know, the karma is and the, the mojo is kind of lining up also for something special that one play that kind of turns a game, you know, the momentum right before halftime or uh, shoot right out of the gate, you know, where you get one of those special plays that really helps it rock. because the way Sanford's going to be seven o'clock kickoff, our, our, our fourth straight night game, who would have mm-hmm. thought that going into the season, but if they can give the crowd a moment, kind of like how Georgia was against Auburn in the first blackout game in 07, that place started and it got hyped up after the, after uh, I think Keelan Johnson picked off a pass and then we scored a couple points. And that's the potential that home field advantage really, you know, night game going to really come in handy. If uh, the dogs can do something impressive and fun and uh, spontaneous on either offense or defense very early in the game. There is a push for a blackout uh, Saturday night as well. I, Scott, I, this is how I know you're moving. Um, you haven't brought that up yet. <laughs> I haven't. I did not even think about that. Then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine if, if say, uh, I don't know, something, something like that happens, and maybe uh, the defense of Mississippi State makes a gaffe or something, has to call a timeout. What are the chances? The probability of a chant of Grantham, Grantham, hollowing around in the stadium. 
I I I want us to be up. I want us to be up forty-two to seven before that happens. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. <clears throat> exactly. The the last kind of thing, and maybe we can go in and and, and make a pick. Uh, and for me, Mississippi State obviously played great against LSU, but let's not kid ourselves. LSU got behind and freaked out. <laughs> like they 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 made so many penalties. Uh, they they're obviously we talked about some of their uh, some some of the their bigger mistakes. That is a team. That scares you, as we talked about with Orgeron, but that doesn't feel like something that's going to happen here, which means, you know, and I guess this can maybe even lead into my pick because the more and more I look at this game, the more I think this comes down to a, can Georgia be disciplined in a way that LSU was not, or even not even half as bad as as LSU was. And two, can Georgia concentrate on stopping the run? Because that's the thing they've been very good at so far. Notre Dame is a similar team that wants to run in that way. I think that Notre Dame has more talent. Mississippi State may have maybe hotter right now and has a better quarterback. But certainly what they wanted to do, what Mississippi State wants to do, is to run. And the throwing is only to, because you're concentrating too much on the run and can't mess it up. I feel confident. I feel like if you put Mississippi State in a position where they have to pass or feel like that's something they really need to do to hang in, I think that puts Georgia in a very good situation. So as much as I do, obviously, the game, again, this game got scarier than everybody thought it was going to be. I still don't think that there are teams, there's a certain types of teams that would scare me a little bit more than Mississippi state, because I'm not sure Georgia can necessarily score. If, if you come in and you're facing, you know, a team that scores a, a ton of points right now. And, uh, uh, particularly through the air, that might be a little bit more nervous. This is a team that as good as Mississippi state is, I feel like their strength and what they want to do is something that plays in exactly to what Georgia's strength is. And I think that puts Georgia in a pretty good spot. So before we make our picks, do you want to do some, I don't know, a little trivia or some interesting facts? Would that be interesting at all? I don't know. You t- uh, I- I'd like to do it, but uh, I'll be the judge of whether your facts are interesting or not. Or even whether they're facts or not. That's true. I do have some facts. Like I said, I had done a little bit of research before we got on the call. So right now, uh, what we're about four games into the 2017 college football season. So I'm going to give you two, I guess we'll call these macro questions for y'all to try to guess. And then I'm going to go into some of the history of the series of uh, Georgia and Mississippi state, because it's kind of interesting. So uh, on a national perspective, first longest active win streak in the nation, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I got the top seven teams of active win streaks. Could you name any of the top seven? Active win streaks. Okay. Uh, Clemson? Yes. Tony, you can pick uh, one. Um, Southern Cal. They're number two. Uh, they have 12 in a row. Okay, let's go. I guess I guess I'm Alabama. Let's go Florida? No, they just left to Michigan. Um, so, uh, we've got a USC. Let's go Oklahoma. That's correct. They are number one. They have a 13-game win streak. That you're not going to get any of the other four. Okay, I'll go let, ahead. Let us uh, let us hold on. Michigan State. Uh, not Michigan State. Uh, Washington State. No. Yeah. Number four is South Florida with eight. Oh, yes. A line of Number five is Miami of Florida with six in a row. Go Coach Rick. Number five is Mississippi State 
Hmm. They've won five in a row actively. And then, or that was number six. I don't know. And then the last one is San Diego state. They're tied. I guess there we go. They also have a five game active win streak. So uh, kind of an interesting year. You got three big boys there. Well, you get Miami there, but then South Florida, Mississippi state and San Diego state shows you a lot of the win streaks have been snuffed out recently. And then the, the next macro view, uh, looking at the landscape of college football, is average margin of victory in 2017. I've already told you earlier in the podcast what Mississippi State's scoring uh, average on offense is, and that was, uh, what, 47 points a game so far. So uh, the average margin of victory I'm looking for, the top seven on the board. For this year? For this year. Well, Mississippi State's got to be one of them. They're ranked third. Uh, their margin of victory is 38 points. Uh, Penn State. They are second. Their margin of victory is 42 points. Maryland. <laughs> no. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> National um, champion Maryland. National champion Maryland. Um, I'll go with Washington State again. No, no. Get off the Mike Leach train. No, but you do. Uh, you are close. So I'm going to go ahead and fill you all in just for expediency. Uh, Oklahoma State is fourth at 36. Oklahoma is fifth at 35. TCU is sixth with 34 average margin of victory. Wake Forest is seventh with 34. Who have they played? Wow. <laughs> 34 points a game. And number one average margin of victory might be because they've only played, I think, one game is UCF. Oh, yes. Yes, UCF. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of interesting. So um, I had mentioned also this series of uh, Mississippi State and Georgia. Uh, it, it was interesting. Mississippi State and Georgia are both charter members of the SEC back in 1932. Yet, they have only played 23 times since 1932. In fact, Mississippi State is the one opponent in the SEC that Georgia has played the fewest, more than any of, any of the other schools. And in fact, interesting fact here, Tulane, Clemson, and even UNC are opponents that Georgia's played more frequently than Mississippi State. And, you know, Tulane, I don't know if you know this, Will, but they were a charter member of the SEC. Did you know that? I, I, I did, but only because they're, they're also the Green Wave, like my Mattoon High School Green Wave. So I have all sorts of Tulane trivia. Okay. okay. Um, so the, the other thing, in that breakdown of 23 games, Georgia's won 17 of those 23. They have won 10 of the last 11, the one loss being, when was it? It was uh, 2010. Two? Remember that yeah, wash on Davis. Ely? Yeah, Davis. Ugh, yeah. yes. Uh, that was over in Starkville. Um, if y'all, Will, I don't know if you saw that game. You probably didn't because that was uh, about four years before you even moved here. But that was uh, Aaron Murray. I think we went 6-7 and seven that year in 2010. We lost to Central Florida in the bowl game. It was miserable. But that was an especially strange game, losing 24-12, to 12, where we had opportunities. In fact, Washon Ely, one of our uh, – he was actually a really good back um, in that season. He, uh, I think he caught a pass, Tony. You remember that, where he caught yeah. a pass and got cold cocked right at the one? Yes. That sounds right. Fumbled into the yeah. end zone and they recovered it for a touchback. Uh, yeah. So just a, just a terrible series, ter- terrible series of events there. But I'm saying this because I will, I think you're right because you're saying like, Hey, let's not, let's not get scared by Mississippi state here. Georgia's won 10 out of 11. They've owned this series back to 1975. So I'm kind of with you on the predictions. Uh, I think it's going to be, you know, the past two times they've met uh, the winning teams only scored 24 points. I do think that Georgia could win this game in the teens or low twenties. And I'm going to predict something like uh, 28 to let's say 21. 
I'll go next. I'm going to go 31 21. That actually sounds about right to me. Georgia. Yeah, in this game, every time I think about it, it feels like the Notre Dame game. I think we'll score a few more points. But again, I I, I keep I keep settling around 27-20, so I'm kind of with Will on this. But Georgia win, although I don't feel great about it. I, I, Mississippi State showed me something last week. We're such sunshine pumpers. Look at us pumping more sunshine. All about the sunshine. Um, We're walking on sunshine. <laughs> well, Will, Will is uh, enjoying sunshine because he's out in uh, Southern California. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, hey, Will, what was that San Diego Charter, Chargers game like? I read your article. It was kind of fascinating, and I also was fascinated how USC outdrew both NFL teams over the weekend. Yeah, it's funny. Indeed, you, of course, made the same mistake that everybody in Los Angeles said by calling them the San Diego Chargers. Everybody still <laughs> calls the San Diego Chargers forever. Uh, yeah, I think there's actually more animosity toward the Chargers here than there are the Rams, because the Rams at least have a history in, in, in Los Angeles. So they, they were here before. Some people might remember them. Some people might have even still cheered for them for their for their brief couple-decade sojourn in St. Louis. But the Chargers, I mean, they're just associated with San Diego. And so, so, to, so it's, I, I highly recommend, however, the Falcons do not play uh, at the Chargers this year, but they might over the next two years. I very much recommend to go as a rogue fan to watch the games and they're playing at the Los Angeles galaxy. Sorry, soccer, soccer comment, but we're, uh, the, uh, they're playing at the Los Angeles galaxy's home stadium, which holds about 27,000 people. Of course they did not sell that out. And I would argue that 40% of those fans were dolphin fans, but uh, it's a really fun place to see the NFL game. You get sight lines. You're, you feel like you're right on top of them really wherever you're, you're standing. It's a really cool place to watch a game. But yeah, nobody nobody wants really anything to do with the Chargers here. Uh, I, I mentioned I mentioned to people out here what I came out here to write about, and the minute I say Chargers, they're like, "Ugh, that's not our team," which is a wonderful way to have your team introduced to a new town uh, when they moved away. So they still have two more years after this one where they'll be playing there until they move into their big mall monstrosity in Inglewood, and uh, it's it's very strange. It's kind of a rough time for the NFL generally right now, uh, but definitely in Los Angeles to see how they spent 20 years trying to get a team here. And they brought two teams that everybody here not only is indifferent to, but actually kind of hate. <laughs> it's really kind of a, kind of an interesting thing. So, uh, but it's, it's fun. Again, it's also, it's also a general Los Angeles problem. The weather is beautiful here, here and there's a million things to do. So people will also, uh, people will go out for a, a USC game because it's their college and they remember the Texas USC game and they remember all that, that kind of loyal. Uh, is just not good. It's just not there for the Rams, and, and obviously not the Chargers. So it's a, it was a, it was a fun. It's fun to be out here. I'm enjoying my time here, uh, but uh, I'm ready to get back to where people care about the, sport, the games that I'm at because <laughs> that hasn't happened that year. All right, so okay, let's do some picks. Let's do some picks. Let's do some picks. All right, Tommy, give us our games. Let's go. All right, so I'm going to try to go through these as the spread gets closer. The first one: Syracuse, LSU. I mean, no, no way LSU loses this game, right? If they lose, I love me some Dino Babers. I love me some Dino Babers, uh, Coach of Syracuse. Syracuse is very fun. That spread seems awfully high. It's 23 and a half points. That seems awfully high for a team that seems all over the place right now. I still can't not. I'm not picking uh, Syracuse at Death Valley. Yeah, there's no way Syracuse walks in there and beats LSU. I think the last team in orange. that was from far away uh, that almost beat LSU was Oregon state. And I think their kicker missed six field goals or something. Um, uh, I don't know why I remember that, but yeah, no uh, LSU, (laughs) LSU wins that game. 
All right, Alabama Vanderbilt, the CBS game. That's an eighteen and a half point game, and it doesn't feel that close. Yeah, I, I know everyone's very high on Vanderbilt because they look fun. They look fun, and and uh, certainly they they beat a team that I think people thought they were better than. And it's good for them to have a three thirty game against Alabama. Like I'm very I'm very happy for them. Uh, this feels like a game they lose by thirty five. <laughs> I have to say, it feels like maybe it's twenty one seven at halftime, and they're feeling okay. And then, as we all know, uh, they what Alabama does to people. I think uh, Alabama's already picked Vanderbilt up and is going to start letting him kick from the yes. beginning of the first quarter, and it's yes. going to be a slow and painful death. Yes. All right. Next, we have Auburn, Missouri. I got to tell you, if Auburn can't go on the road and take care of Missouri, then I'll jump off the Gus bus. Yeah, I think a lot of people will jump off the Gus bus if that happens. Missouri is totally, completely lost. Remember, Odom's only in his second season there, and already they want him gone. So uh, it's it, it's going to get real bad real fast for Missouri. Yeah, Auburn rolls. TCU at Oklahoma State. Um, you know, that time. that's a sick number six versus 16 game um, with a big spread, man. Uh, I still, uh, I mean, I think Oklahoma State wins, but TCU is dangerous. They're, they're TCU again. Yeah, they, they look great against Arkansas. That seems like a lot of points. I still think Oklahoma State, because Oklahoma State to me looks like that. I'm, I'm really glad they're not saving that Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game for the end of the year this year because that just looks like a terrific game in, in the making. Uh, and I think whoever loses that game, if someone else falters in one of the other uh, divisions, I think it, uh, uh, they'd be looking for a possible two teams because I think those Oklahoma, Oklahoma State look like two of the top three or four teams in the country right now. I like TCU, and I think that's that's too high, but I still think Oklahoma State wins this. Oklahoma State's average mar- margin of victory is two points higher than TCU, so I say OSU wins by a safety. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, NC State at Florida State. I'm not ready to say NC State wins this game, but I am ready to say the NC State gives Florida State all they can handle on the road. See, I thought really, I thought a lot better about. Uh, I thought you know NC State was kind of a hot pick before the year, and then they lost to South Carolina. So I thought okay, maybe South Carolina is better, and they just lost that game. So I'm staying away from North Carolina State now. I think Florida State, uh, who still hasn't won a game yet, by the way, <laughs> I think Florida State wins. Yeah, NC State bores me, kind of like how Missouri bores me in the SEC, so I'm going to pick the Nulls. Okay, Pittsburgh versus Georgia Tech. Uh, Tech's seven-and-a-half-point favorite, at least of, as of this publication. I, I think Tech wins, but... Yeah, that seems high. That definitely seems high. In fact, yeah. I am. Uh, it's funny, you know, Georgia Tech kind of infamously being one of the difficult, most difficult teams in college football to predict. Uh, I think... I'm picking Pitt in this game. I'm picking. I'm picking an upset in this game. I think things might start spiraling for Georgia Tech, which means, of course, they'll judge. The game just sold out. By the way, if you saw Georgia, Georgia Tech just sold out, uh, so get on the StubHub and pay Notre Dame prices. <laughs> but uh, certainly, uh, I, I think I pick Pitt in this game. I think Georgia Tech is going to be is a worse team and will struggle more in the in the wake of that uh, Tennessee game than, than we might. Pitt got their doors blown off by Oklahoma state last week. So uh, I'm kind of thinking like you will, because they, they were the ones, the thorn in the side of Clemson last year and uh, beat them. I think it was in death Valley maybe. Um, yeah. They beat Clemson at home last year. So I don't think there's any reason why they couldn't be Georgia tech and uh, at Bobby Dodd or Mark Rick Grantfield. Speaking of teams that didn't look great, Louisiana tech travels to South Carolina. 
Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna close my nose and pick South Carolina, but damn. Yeah, Louisiana Tech is the team that you feels like they they're a little better than they are. This we're seeing Louisiana to be better. I don't think they're that great. Uh, I'm down obviously a little in South Carolina after that loss last week, but I still think they win this game. Louisiana Tech two weeks ago had a third and ninety three. <laughs> they, they did. You can I look know. it up. Oh, it's it. an amazing it. play. Who was yeah. that against? So, uh, Mississippi State. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, they had a third and ninety-three. They didn't convert. Um, so, just based on that fact, I'm going to go with South Carolina. All right, Michigan travels to Purdue. I'm going to do it. I'm calling Purdue. Calling it straight up. <laughs> Good for you. Boiler, boiler up, y'all. Good for you. Michigan, Purdue is going to get destroyed in this game. The dream is over for, for Purdue. I'm taking Michigan big, big, big. I'm really glad we're not together because you'd probably pat me on the head and said, you're so precious. Yeah, like, well, Michigan struggled in the first half against Air Force last week, and they're just going to be glad to see in like a, a normal spread or pro style offense. I don't know what kind of offense Purdue runs. Maybe they should run the triple option, but uh, I'm going to predict that uh, Michigan's going to handle them pretty easily. All right. Washington goes to Colorado. I, I cannot pick Colorado. Yeah, I think Washington big in this game. Colorado, listen, is a better team than than I think they're giving credit for, and I think it's impressive what they've done. But, uh, yeah, Washington's a national championship contender. I think they win this game uh, handily. Yeah, go dogs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Notre Dame travels to Michigan State, who is fat, being vastly, vastly, vastly disrespected. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I think Notre Dame wins. Yeah, Michigan State, uh, they haven't really done They looked okay against Western Michigan, but that's not the same Western Michigan team as last year. I feel like Notre Dame is, is a bounce back. They looked pretty good, actually, against Boston College. Made me feel a little better about Georgia's win. Uh, I thought they looked really solid. Now, Boston College is not great, but Notre Dame looked like, like they were in control of that game from the beginning. I think that uh, I think this is a win. I think this is a road win for Notre Dame. I want Notre Dame to win the rest of their games just to make that win look even better. <laughs> understood. So I'm pick I, Notre Dame. I absolutely understand that. All right, so here is the who's getting fired first game. Texas A&M, Arkansas. That's the game in yeah, – is that game in Jerry World? I can't yes, remember. Yes, I think it's Jerry World, yes. I keep one, I keep one to make all Arkansas's games in Jerry World. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, he, I mean, he did I go mean, to Arkansas, right? Didn't he go to Arkansas? So. Yes, yes, he did. I mean, uh, give me Texas A&M in a 3-2 to two game. I think Texas A&M is about to completely spiral out of control. They probably could have lost that game uh, last week. I'm picking, I'm picking Arkansas, and I think that might actually be it for someone. I think if they lose to Arkansas, uh, that, that might be the thing that makes them make the move. Those games are always wild. They seem to always go into overtime, and something crazy happens, and it's always like 35 to 35. I'm going to pick Arkansas just because I want something wild to happen, and I want Tony to be excited about whatever Bert does. <laughs> I appreciate you. I appreciate you rooting for Giddy Tony on the podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. So we have two SEC East teams. One of them is one and one, and uh, had to have a hail mary touchdown to beat a, a less good team uh, at home, and one of them three and zero and beat a, a, a conference foe on the road handily. Guess which one was which? <laughs> Kentucky, Florida, y'all. This game is at Kroger Field. They have sold out. I don't know if they've sold out of milk or what, but um, <laughs> Florida, Kentucky. Yeah. By the way, I am by no means willing to pull into pick Kentucky in this game, but wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I say Florida. This is still. going to be a super fun 
uh, in between quarters game to watch on the Jumbotron at the, at the Georgia game. It's going to be a super, super fun one. Uh, I, man, it feels like if Kentucky's ever going to do it, now's the time. I just don't think they're going to do it. So I'm going to pick Florida. Kentucky's had a couple close calls. In fact, it feels like they've gotten robbed a couple years. Uh, they have not beat Florida since 1986, and that's a long time. Because if I can do math, and with that whole that whole millennium change, kind of hampers my math. But I think that's 31 years. Yeah, that is 31 years. They do it. They end the streak this year. They win by like a half a point on a crazy, crazy play. So C A T S cats, cats, cats. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All right. Well, that's our picks for the week, guys. One final fault: if it's uh, if it's truly a blackout, we might as well lean into it. I'm not. I'm Scott. This is this is your thing, but I, I don't don't think it matters. But if it gets fans there and it gets them loud early, then you know, so be it. Well, I, this is the first I've heard of it, and um, you, you're right. It's because my attention has been diverted. But the one thing I like more than blackouts are surprise blackouts. So if it is a surprise blackout, that would be even greater than just a regular blackout. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the, by the way, this is the last night game. As we saw at three thirty, Georgia, uh, Georgia, Tennessee. So uh, get get appropriately adjusted to your to your night games. I think we, that may be it for a while. Actually, uh, for the night games, I'm very excited. I'm excited to get back. I'm I like California, but I'm ready for what seems like our first real. Big game that they've got. It's funny the 2018 schedule came out, and it feels like this may be the big, biggest game they have at uh, at uh, here for a couple of years, and maybe till Auburn next year. But uh, in Athens, I'm excited. Everyone have a great week. Looking for the post game. Look forward to the game with you guys, and of course, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Find us on Twitter if you'd like to share your opinion about the show or really anything else. You can send us a tweet. Our handle is at WSLS Podcast. We did receive two new podcast reviews over the past week. This is where I typically will read them out loud for all of you to hear. But in my opinion, these two need to be read on air because I want to hear Will's and Tony's reaction. Will and Tony, if you're actually listening this far into our show, I mean, why would you be listening? You actually recorded this speaking into your mind. Nevertheless, don't read it. Let's just keep it a surprise for y'all when we all three get together. But you, the listener, can absolutely go to iTunes and read the reviews if you'd like. We will be back on Sunday for our Mississippi State postgame show. Until then, have yourselves a great rest of your week, and we'll see you on campus. Oh, and that reminds me, I mean that when I say we'll see you on campus. Just this past weekend of the Sanford game at the tailgate, I ran into two listeners tailgating themselves. Shout out to Jacob and Joe. Thanks for stopping by, guys. So, safe travels to Will, flying back from L.A. to Athens. I'll see you on Saturday. Episode 100 is in the books, and as always, go dogs. Thank you.